This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We wish you a warm welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. If you were to stand before God and hear him ask, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? And what will happen when you take your last breath? Well, you can spend the rest of your days confidently knowing you are precious to him and belong to him forever. Stay with us for the best news you will ever hear. Our title, Encounters, Our Promise. We are finishing our Encounters series today with the story of a criminal who encountered Jesus at the cross. It contains a great promise for you and me. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, we praise you for your goodness and mercy. As we read from your Holy Word today, May your Holy Spirit move our hearts towards gratitude as we consider the depths of your love for us. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked Jesus, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him that read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Dear friends, a number of years ago, a member of my congregation called me and asked if I would come visit a friend of his who was in the hospital. He explained to me that his friend was dying and that This friend had no faith to speak of, but that he was open to talking about faith with me. And so I went. After introducing ourselves to one another and going through some small talk, I asked uh, this man, his name is Bob, about his spiritual history. Had he been raised in a Christian church as a child? He said he'd been baptized as an infant, but his family was not churchgoers, and so he knew basically nothing about the Christian faith. 
I asked him if he was interested in hearing about it now, and he said he was. I then said, since we knew that his time in this world was short, would he mind if I first asked him a question? He said, go ahead. So I asked him, suppose you were to die today, Bob, do you think you would go to heaven? He said that he doubted that. I then followed up that question with another one. Bob, if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell him? And Bob said, well, I guess I'd tell him that I've tried to do the best I can. I then responded, Bob, hearing your answers to those questions, I know I have some really good news to share with you today. Then we had a wonderful conversation about the gospel message. I shared with him the good news of what Jesus had done for him at the cross. I talked with him about faith and what it means to trust Jesus, turn his life over to the care of Christ. And then I asked him if he'd like to do that right then. And he said yes. And we prayed together, and he confessed his need for the Savior and asked Jesus to come into his life. When we were finished, I extended my hand to him and said, Welcome to the family. And he smiled and said, <laughs> Pretty big family. I talked with him a bit more about following up with him and I left him some materials to look over regarding the gospel and following Jesus. I left him that day, not knowing that his time was shorter than we thought. Not long after that encounter, I was called by my church member who told me that Bob had died. We gave him a glorious, hope-filled send-off at his funeral. I tell you this story because our reading of Jesus' encounter with the dying thief on the cross reminded me of it. Jesus had been led out of Jerusalem to a hill called the Skull where he's, he's nailed to a cross and placed between two criminals, violent robbers, we're told, who are also hanging on their crosses. I can't help but be reminded, uh, as I think of the scene, of that old prophecy hundreds of years before in Isaiah chapter 53, where it says he was numbered with the transgressors. He's bearing the sins of many, though he is innocent. We don't have details of the crucifixion. Luke didn't feel any need to go into details because his audience knew full well what crucifixion looked like. It was a cruel, torturous way to die. As Jesus hung there in excruciating pain, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It takes us back to Luke chapter 6, where Jesus has taught about the importance of loving your enemies. Now he's living by that, praying for his enemies. They don't know the horrible evil they were doing in killing the righteous, holy one of God. The apostle Peter would tell them that later in the book of Acts in chapter 3. They were unknowingly, though, carrying out God's plan of salvation when they put Jesus to death. Jesus had come to die 
for the sins of the world. There was an ugly scene being played out below Jesus as he hung on the cross. The soldiers were casting lots, gambling, to divide his clothes up, fulfilling another prophecy from Psalm 22. And everyone was mocking and taunting Jesus, the rulers, the soldiers, some of the people in the crowd that were watching. If you are the Christ, save yourself, sarcastically saying these things, laughing at the same time. There was a sarcastic inscription posted above Christ's head, written by Pontius Pilate. This is the king of the Jews. Little did Pilate know. He had written the truth. Even one of the criminals being crucified railed against Jesus, throwing insults in his direction. Save yourself and us if you're the Christ. Like the rest of those taunting Jesus to save himself, this man didn't understand. If the Messiah, the Christ, is to seek and save the lost, he can't save himself. He won't save himself. He's on the cross for a reason. It's God's plan to save a sinful humanity from sin and death and the devil. He's taking away the sins of the world. And the nails weren't holding him there. Love was. Let's take a look at the criminal on the other side of Jesus, though. Remember, there were two of them, one on the left and one on the right. According to Matthew and Mark, earlier on in the story, he too had been reviling Jesus like all the rest. But something happened over those hours of hanging there next to Jesus. Something totally unexpected, surprising in the midst of all of this ugliness on Golgotha where the crucifixion took place. This dying criminal is awakened to who Jesus is and of his need for him. We don't know what brought this about. Was it the kind prayer that he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Was it the refusal of Jesus to fight back with sharp words against his tormentors and curse them? Was it the love that he perhaps saw in the eyes of Jesus as he looked out over the crowd? Well, we can't know for certain, but we know something happens. He turns to Jesus. We see him defending Jesus against the taunts of his fellow criminal. He rebukes him, puts him in his place, makes a statement that's filled with repentance and faith. First, he says, do you not fear God? I don't know about you, but that strikes me as a statement of faith. As he is looking into the face of Jesus, he is seeing the divine in him, God in the flesh. And this God is to be feared. 
honored, humbly addressed, worshipped, not ridiculed and scorned as was the case. And then he goes on to say, you know, we belong up here. We're both under the same condemnation, but I know I'm a guilty man and I justly deserve this punishment for what I have done. Now, this definitely sounds like a repentant person to me. There is contrition in these words, humility in these words, no excuses, but an admission of guilt. No pointing the finger at someone else. I had a poor upbringing. It's my parents' fault or what I've done, you know, doesn't merit this sort of torturous ending. Just a simple, I'm guilty and I deserve this. And he's not done with his talk. He says, but this man, as he nods towards Jesus, has done nothing wrong. He's innocent. Interestingly, the same thing was said earlier by King Herod and Pontius Pilate. So all three of these men are correct in their assessment of Jesus. He's innocent. He's the righteous one. The truth is he is the perfect God-man, the spotless, unblemished Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the perfect sacrifice for our forgiveness. Then that dying criminal looks in the direction of Jesus and makes a surprising request, which must have sounded like a beautiful symphony in the ears of Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's a confession of faith, a humble plea of a beggar to his king. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Like the old hymn says, I know I do not deserve it, the criminal is saying, but Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And lo and behold, <laughs> the dying man receives a remarkable promise from Jesus. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The place of the righteous. The garden of the king. Heaven. Today, you'll be with me, Jesus said, with me, your king. As a pastor, I hear all kinds of questions about death and dying. And what I hear frequently is, where will I be? What happens when I take my last breath? And my response has always been, you'll be with Jesus. That's what scripture says. And what joy that will be. That promise is not only for that criminal, but for my dying friend Bob, and for you, and for me. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us, paying for our sins at that cross. And the Easter resurrection will affirm the truth of Christ's promise to that thief. 
Jesus died shortly after that conversation, you know. And the criminal witnessed him confidently pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I wonder, did the criminal say the same prayer at his own passing? Because it's a beautiful prayer of faith. It says, I know I'm in my Father's hands, and nothing can snatch me from those strong, loving hands. I am his forever. You could call this encounter of Jesus with the criminals a microcosm of the world's response to Jesus. We see two guilty people witnessing, encountering the same thing, a dying Jesus nailed to a cross with a sign above his head announcing, this is the king of the Jews. And we see two very different responses to him, just like today. One rejects him, and one receives him in repentance and faith. One attacks him with his words. The other stands up for him. One sees a common criminal. The other sees a crown and asks for a royal favor. One sees an ordinary guilty man, and the other sees the perfect, innocent Son of God. One sees a fraud, and the other sees a future that he asks for. One says no to Jesus, and the other says, yes, Lord. And both criminals died shortly after Jesus died, and we all one day will die. One dies without hope, and the other dies with confident hope, knowing that I'll be with Jesus in paradise. That, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. One is eternally lost, the other eternally found, and heaven bound. And that truth remains the same today. Every last one of us needs Jesus, just like that criminal, like both criminals. I like the statement I came across years ago by Bishop J.C. Ryle. He said, One thief on the cross was saved, that none should despair, and one only, that none should presume. Dear friends, we're all going to die someday, some of us sooner than expected. Are you to that place in your spiritual life that you know for certain that you're going to be with Jesus in eternity? Because you can have that assurance, that certainty, and spend the rest of your days confidently knowing that you belong to him forever, that neither life nor death nor anything else in all creation can separate you from him. And by the way, that prayer of his, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, reminds us that eternal life with him can begin right now. You don't have to wait until you die. As you place your life in his tender care, there's forgiveness for your sins, a new fresh start with him, a purpose-filled life is yours to enjoy today and forever as you entrust your life 
to Jesus Christ. And that, my dear friends, is the best news you will ever hear. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for the cross and the promise of salvation that is ours as we place our trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blessed assurance given us this day in your word. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message reminds you that eternal life with Jesus can begin right now. Place your life in his tender care, where you can find forgiveness for your sins and a fresh new start to a purpose-filled life to enjoy today and forever. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit, listener-supported broadcast ministry that seeks to serve the spiritual needs of those unable to attend worship in the church of their choice and all others who care to listen. Your gifts and prayers in support of this ministry help us spread the good news of the gospel to our world. Please consider, if you are in a position to do so, sending a gift to help cover production and broadcast costs of these stations. Our address is Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. Christian Crusaders is pleased to host an annual preaching conference for pastors and spiritual leaders. This year's one-day conference will be held Monday, April 29th from 9 to 3 at Nazareth Lutheran Church in Cedar Falls, Iowa. For more information and to register, please visit our website, christiancrusaders.org, or call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. This conference is a free-of-charge event. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders is now in its 83rd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.